This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Worth a try, and he's always prepared to give it a go. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to On the Ball with myself, Cam Ruslan, and our three very sophisticated and intelligent pundits this week are Des Corkill. Good morning, everybody. Ah, no, ah, good, good evening, everybody. This isn't pre-recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Such a pro. Going <laughs> to start again? <laughs> no, 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 no. We keep these things. Well, listen. I'm still celebrating the Liverpool victory over Man United. You can't, can't not celebrate that. But then we've got Everton coming up, so the game's coming thick and fast. But um, let's put our rub United's nose in it while we can, because it won't last forever. Well, you're going to have that opportunity because we also have a Manchester United fan who is bringing the average age of this pund- uh, pundit panel down by about 30 years, Sean Maholtra. What's up, everyone? Evening. It's been a while. It's good to be back. So I'm ready for Dez's uh, hammering today. <laughs> and finally, we have Neutral, and he is going to be the adjudicator of this. He is Gogolin. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Good to be back this evening. Uh, yeah. So we've got uh, a packed show, uh, a Premier League. There's a Premier League that's been played over during the week. There's going to be forecasting Premier League. There's AFC Champions League. And we have some more Malaysian uh, football after that as well. So we're going to start straight away with the match that Des just mentioned. Um, it's It was first versus fourth, as in the Manchester United is the team with the highest wage, wage bill in the Premier League and Liverpool is one with the fourth highest. But Liverpool walked away 4-0 victors and it was magnificent. And I guess, Des, we've got to start with you. I, I thought that that was um, one of the greatest performances I've ever seen, really. And you've said that Klopp will only be considered great when he wins something. But when you string together... A performance like that with great players working as a cohesive team so fluidly, that's greatness. Again, Cam, you do misquote me uh, a few times. I've said he needs trophies to be amongst, to be considered in 30 years' time amongst the greats. He already is amongst the greats. Yeah, everyone's going to, everyone's focused on Man United on this one and uh, another coach has gone. But this was, this was fabulous. And Luis Diaz and Saleh, Saleh's meant to be. Gone and definitely leaving, said Gary Neville. His two goals were sublime. Mane has changed to a centre-forward. He was fabulous. Van Dijk looks imperious. Um, uh, you're having Cruyff turns from your goalkeeper, Alisson. But Thiago Alcantara, oh, my word. This is pornography on a football field. It, it, it is, oh, it, 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 it's dirty. It's filthy. It's magnificent. It's glorious. Keep that fella fit. I've been saying this, actually, if, if you go back through the records, ever since he signed, he, he, he didn't have the best of starts. But, but that performance against Manchester United and his performance against Manchester City, and he is adding something to that already glorious defence, already glorious attacking um, trident, actually. It's a, a quintet now, because they can call on Bobby Firmino and um, uh, Jota if required. And we've forgotten about uh, Divock Origi, our, our superstar hero. But Thiago Alcantara is just on a different planet. He is what he sees, his vision, uh, the way he defends now as well. He is the man who is really, really making all those other glorious parts tick at the moment. Could go wrong. We could lose at Everton. We've still got to go. I'm not allowed to say we. Liverpool could still uh, <laughs> struggle at Newcastle. Tottenham have got to come to Anfield. But um, 
it's just been glorious. Uh, and that Thiago performance against Manchester United, uh, of all games, because United, they didn't come here and just um, fall over. They really, really wanted to win. And they were ripped apart inside the first five minutes. But Thiago, Thiago, Thiago. Mwah, 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 mwah. Uh, let me let me let me put a damper on Dez's uh, celebrations here. Thiago had one match. I've been watching Thiago since he came here. All he does is put up his hand and start waving at players. And you know, if you got that much of space to be spraying passes all over the pitch, even I could do that. All right, nobody closed him down. All right, so much of time on the pitch to play those passes. Look up, have a smoke maybe, and then play the pass. And you're going on about Thiago. Give me a break, mate. <laughs> one game. All right, nobody pressed him, nobody came near him, no everybody sitting off him, giving him so much time. This is what Zidane used to do. If you give a player like him so many time and you've got runners around him, all you have to do is look up and play the long ball. Nothing big about that, mate. Pick up the but pass. You have runners. Disagree you, with have, you, more. you have Trent. Disagree with you you more. have Alexander Arnold running on your left. All right. You have Robertson on your right. What else do you need? All you have to do is stand there and look up and play the pass. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, uh, Gogol, let's give the opportunity also then to put uh, judgment on Manchester United while, while you're on a rant. No, no, I, no, that was just for Thiago. I'll let uh, Sean finish on United. <laughs> okay, all right. Sean, uh, you're a Manchester United fan, but you, you heard Des there. He, he tried very hard and succeeded to, say, mm-hmm. to not say we. So uh, I'm going to throw down the, the challenge I thought, he, there. I thought he said me. <laughs> he said he, it once. He avoided it real quick. Oh, a couple of times. So, Sean... Uh, uh, Manchester United beaten 9-0 on aggregate over this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a bit, bit of Manchester United history. You're a young fella. You won't remember this. Last season, United finished second and were Europa Cup finalists. Mm-hmm. And um, was that an aberration? And now there's going to be a new manager, Eric Ten Hag uh, of Ajax. C- can, this, can this bunch of people be Ajaxed? I think you got to look at it in the sense of it's not a, a quick solution. You know, the, all the discussions that have been leading up to him joining United is it's going to be a long co- contract. It's going to be a long process for him to change things around. And every United fan has to be realistic about what's happening. He's not going to come in and next season United are going to be challenging for the Premier League. That's not going to happen. Of course, it's an expectation from the fans to be challenging the likes of Liverpool and City. But the current crop of players, I don't think, are ready to do that. The mentality needs to change. Personnel need to change. You know, there's, there's reports that Ten Hag will have 200 million to spend or whatever. It's not on how much he has to spend. It's on who he's spending it on. Yeah, but it's also on who he can get rid of. Yeah, it's of course. And I, I think it, it's being blown out of proportion that, oh, you know, they're all on high wages, so he can't get rid of them. If he wanted to, he could. You know, there, there are players there who you would consider who don't even think that they want to be there anymore. The likes of Jesse Lingard, Pogba, Matic, I could go on. There's so many of them. And a lot of them, their contracts are coming to an end. So, you know, you have Matic last week or the week before who said he was already going to leave. Pogba played five minutes against Liverpool. I don't even consider that a game. Was booed against Norwich. I'm not a fan of that, but, you know, fans have turned on him already. So you have players who are willing to go. And there will be players who will come in. There will be players who are promoted from the youth. So there is a chance. But whether it's going to be a quick thing that happens, I don't think so. Ever hopeful. Ever hopeful football fans. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Um, but that, that's, so that's a word from um, on the balls, Gary Neville. Uh, so now, uh, Goglin, judgment time. Abject performance. I mean, can this, this lot be 
Definitely. I mean, first of all, you, you decide to play a back three that gets ripped apart in the first four minutes or something. And then you, and you I, honestly, I have no idea what Maguire's uh, purpose is on that pitch in that back three in the first place. If you're pressing that high up, you know, against runners, all right, who are, who are going to eat up the space behind you at any given time. You had three runners running at that time, right? All you have to say is somebody pick a pass and gone. In the first uh, five minutes, it's all gone to shreds. And then their heads drop, and you know it's all over the place. There are one or two players who are playing there. Fernandez is the only one cajoling everybody to come on board and start playing. And everybody's head has dropped. It is men against boys. It's it, it was. I, I watched the first half, and I was like shaking my head. And I was I was a United fan. I would be really, really, really horrified at that performance and the what the future holds for them because you know these are not in, at on paper. This team is you know in you would give any team a, a run for their money. So if there, there's no desire to play for the shirt or the badge anymore, what does that say? Is it the manager? Is it the players? You know, and this is not going to be a short-term fix. Liverpool were in this same position, and I remember this because you know I've saying this before, and it's 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 cyclical, and it's going to happen to United. I'm telling United fans this: once Ferguson goes, it's going to happen the same thing unless it's a plan. And you know, and true enough, it has happened. And it's I didn't expect it to happen this fast and this bad, though. To be fair, and the amount of money that has been spent, uh, we've never spent an entire section of the show on one match. Uh... But uh, I, I allowed it because because I was so astonished by the. There are bigger ramifications than just one match. You know, this United Liverpool is, has uh, repercussions in this part of the globe that goes beyond football, right? The rivalry yeah. and all that, and it, it's part. It's it's woven in the fabric of our lives now. United Liverpool. So yeah. it when when United are so abject, it, it it the ramifications are huge, and it, and the fact that I cannot see a a bright spot in the next five years, and I'm being ambitious here, five years. I don't see how, you know, Ten Hag coming in and even wiping out that whole team and bringing in his own players, it's going to be a long way back. Yeah, I, I agree. Five years minimum, bare minimum. This is what happens when you follow a commercial philosophy instead of a football philosophy. I kept, I keep saying that. Okay, folks, we're going to move on. And we have to take a break before we go to the next match. <laughs> uh, I, got, I got like five seconds, though, Des, to ask you one question. You've watched Liverpool for a long time. Going back to the 1980s, John Barnes era, are you more excited now watching than then? Uh, equally ex- as exciting as the '87 team. My, my team was the '78 team that was um, the, won the first European Cup '77, '78. That this this lot. It's a different game now, but this is this is exhilarating, and it's all because of Thiago Goggs. <laughs> <laughs> Who? <laughs> okay, we're going to move on, and uh, in a moment we'll look at the other team that's uh, sort of doing quite well in the league, Manchester City, here on on the ball BFM 89.9. Deserves a goal that lovely return pass just wide. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back and it's on the ball and we're moving now to the other big match uh, over this week that happened uh, with Man City 3, Brighton 0. Brighton really haven't had much to play for for a while but they and yet they put in some good performances. And uh, they held out very well, I thought, for the first half. Uh, good defending. But in the second half, Man City turned it on. And uh, so, Sean, I'm going to t- turn to you now. Let's talk about the noisy neighbours. There's uh, there's talk about Haaland going to uh, Man City. Do they need him? They don't need a striker. <laughs> I think, you know, the Peps mentioned it early in the season about how they, they're pretty much playing without a striker, even though Gabriel Jesus is a striker. But... Th- when you're a team like City and you have the kind of money they do, obviously you're going to be looking to strengthen that team. And Liverpool is getting stronger. Chelsea's going to get stronger. If, Liverpool, if City were to bring in Haaland, it's a huge upgrade to what they already have up forward. 
You have scintillating players for City who can score goals. You bring in Haaland. I'm not saying he's going to bang in 20-30 goals in his first season because he is injury-prone as well. But you have an asset there who can score you goals with his, heads, with, with his head, with his feet. It's a huge thing to have. And I think if they really wanted to, they could afford him easily. I think it's just a matter of the agent fees and all that have to go into it. But it would be a huge acquisition yeah, for, for City to have. I think Haaland would be a great buy for City. Uh, and uh, Gogolin, you're the judge, jury, and executioner on this week's show. Uh, Man City, they 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 were very good. Um, the goals can come from anywhere, and uh, uh, I never know what to say with Man City. They're very good. <laughs> City doesn't set your pulse racing like what Liverpool are doing right now. I always say Liverpool are the form team right now. And I, if you ask me, if there was two channels going on at the same time, I would rather watch Liverpool right now. Because they play really good football, you know, really good to be watch. I United used to play that football back in the uh, early '90s and all that. Even though I hated Ferguson and that lot, they played really good football, right? And Spurs were playing really good football later on. So these are teams. So if I want to watch football as a neutral, I'll watch. And right now, that team is Liverpool. They play football that I would rather sit, stay up and watch. And hence why I woke up at three o'clock to watch that game. Hmm. But to see what Sean was uh, add on to what Sean was saying. Imagine this city squad. They don't have an out-and-out striker. And yet, they score so many goals. Now, add Haaland to that mix. And think of that plan B or plan C that they have now. And that is what Haaland will bring to that table. An out-and-out striker that will put, get those goals for you when teams are you know, playing a low block and all that stuff. Mm. You know? This is what I think that City are missing. An out-and-out striker since Aguero is gone. Aguero even wasn't that, but... He played it to a certain point, but now you have a real Van Nistelrooy, Ian Rush mold player to finish that in the box kind of player who can put those goals away. And this is what City have never had. And now I think that will be the final jigsaw in that puzzle. But that is just me personally thinking. And then City would be like Godzilla on the streets of Tokyo and people running and screaming. That'd be unbeatable. <laughs> uh, Des, uh, very quickly, we uh, I'm going to go through the 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 matches that the these two respective teams have to play. So Man City have still got Watford, Leeds, Newcastle, West Ham, Wolves, Aston Villa. Ooh, the mighty Villa. And Liverpool have very similar Everton, Newcastle, Tottenham, Aston Villa, <clears throat> Southampton and Wolves. There's one point between them. Do you see Man City dropping points? Do you see Liverpool winning every game? Uh, I can see it going right the way down to the last game of the season, but this is Man City's to, to lose. Um, I tell you what, they had some outrageous good luck. Three deflections went their way for the first goal against Brighton. Three. One, okay, but three. And then they get a deflection for the second goal. So eventually your little luck runs out and as, as um, uh, with, with a Liverpool hat on. Uh, Liverpool fans will be hoping that they, they slip up. But they are so good. And, and as for this centre-forward thing, Manchester City do have a centre-forward. It's just not the same player. They always have somebody arriving in the box for those crosses. And if Haaland comes in, if he's going to be static, it makes them possibly easier to defend against because they're not arriving late in the penalty area. Uh, they're doing fine with, without a, a, a routine centre-forward. Uh, three goals. The third goal is beautifully scored and Bernardo Silva comes in from midfield. He becomes the centre-forward. Um, do I see City dropping points? Sadly, no, from a, from a Liverpool perspective because they, they're just a juggernaut and they defend so well as well. We forget how well they defend and Rodri is, is, is kind of immense in that central midfield position. 
Is Ruben Diaz uh, expected back anytime? Yeah, he, he was on the bench for the um, for the Brighton game, and um, he's, he's expected back, and that just strengthens them. But if they do slip up, Liverpool, Tottenham, I've got to go to Anfield, Newcastle away, the derby on Sunday, Wolves last game of the season. That's that's a really really tough task. Plus the little matter of Villarreal and an FA Cup final thrown in there as well. So I think this is Manchester City our favourites. But Liverpool's mood and Thiago's form is so impressive that um, you never know. They, they, could, they could be there if they slip up. One quick word about Thiago then. Have you heard him speak? <laughs> Seriously, have you heard him speak? He is so impressive. He's got like future captain written all over him. He's 31. He's not going to be future captain, but he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's a wonderful player. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to move on then to the battle for third spot. Hmm. You could say second, but I don't think so, really, realistically. The uh, match was between um, Chelsea to Arsenal 4. And, Sean, when I was watching this, it was so fast. It was speedy light. The only thing I could think of was um, Fulham are going to get relegated next season. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't see how people can cope with the kind of speed that both these teams were, were employing and that um, Arsenal live very dangerously in defence. Yeah, but you got to look up forward as well. I mean, they they may be like shaky in defence, but if you look at the weekend's game against Southampton, I would say they were really unlucky not to win that game. I think uh, Foster pulled off some insane saves. The Saka one was, I think, one of the saves of the season, for sure. So the, the funny thing about the three teams that are vying for that fourth spot between Spurs, Arsenal and United are... All these three teams can turn up one day and then the next day they can also look really out of sorts. But out of the three teams, I would say Arsenal are the favourites for that spot. Not only do they have the easier run-in out of the three teams, but I would say they actually played the best football. So beating Chelsea was something I didn't expect, but the way they did it was really impressive. The kids are really performing at Arsenal. You can't just look at them and say they're, they're not experienced the one that unlocks everything for that Arsenal thing, which I think is their best signing of the season, is Martin Odegaard. What a player, honestly. He makes Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe and all these other players, Martinelli, really be able to perform. And they deserve their win against Chelsea, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, three out of the four goals were Chelsea mistakes, which I was kind of shocked by, but, you know, they did it against Madrid. So, Arsenal deserved their win. And if anything, they deserve that fourth spot over anyone else. Yeah. And Saka scored a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> the way you should take a penalty. You just sort of like hit it. <laughs> um, okay, Justice Goglin. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess Chelsea, I mean, they're safe. They got such a huge buffer. They don't really have to overextend themselves. Arsenal, are they the real deal now? I mean, is this a performance that they can replicate into next season? Well, let's forget about next season. They really need that fourth spot now to cement what the you know, Arteta project is all about. And it was in their hands until they miraculously shot themselves in the foot. I think three games in a row they lost. Even with that Spurs Spurs result that happened before their game, I, I don't know how they, but like Sean said, they should have won that game by like four goals. So the Chelsea result is actually a shot in the arm for them. And, you know, it, 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 it I agree with uh, Sean. They are the more exciting side to watch against like compared to Spurs and of course to a certain extent United I don't think United are in fourth spot contention anymore anyway so Arsenal's all to play for but their goal difference right now is uh, inferior to Spurs if I'm not mistaken yes but it's 18 for Spurs and 10 for Arsenal uh, so yeah so that that it wasn't they had a game and that was their game in hand right the Chelsea game was their game in hand right 
Yeah, so now they are all level on points. So it's going to go down to the wire also with the fourth spot, I think. And like you said, Liverpool uh, have to... Spurs are going to Liverpool or Liverpool are going to Spurs? One of those. And that, Spurs that, to that, Liverpool. Yeah, so that will be a, that'll be a crucial game. And Arsenal-Spurs, last but one game of the season. Uh, yeah, penultimate game of the season, right? Yeah. yeah. You always got to say Spurs, though. I mean, you know, Spurs. They have Conte now. Yeah, they have Conte now. So, you know, that's a different mentality now there. So let's hope that Conte winning mentality uh, pervades, permeates through the team because uh, Spurs are always going to be Spursy, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But then Arsenal have been Spursy too. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Des, I want to take you down to the fight at the bottom of the table. There was a, a really fascinating match where Burnley won 2-0 against Southampton. Again, Southampton not necessarily got anything to play for. Uh, legendary manager, Sean Dyche, was sacked, which I thought was crazy. But when I saw this performance, I, it suddenly made ruthless sense to me. Because <laughs> no, because the owners are saying, we will not be relegated. We will do whatever it takes. Um, it, it, I, I mean, we've seen flashes of, of what Burnley can put together, and I thought they put, put it together very well in this match. So I've been uh, critical of Burnley for a long time for not trying to win games, for, for, um, for trying not to lose games rather than trying to win games. Uh, and I think last night from what I've seen in the highlights, because I didn't get up at three o'clock in the morning for that one, uh, and what I've read in the, in the newspapers, Burnley tried to win this game. They were attacking. They were making forward passes. They got the crowd excited. Uh, it, uh, they beat Southampton. This is a Southampton team fresh off uh, beating Arsenal. So they're, they're, not, um, they're not a bad side. And they, they put themselves right back in the chance of staying in the, in the top flight at the expense, possibly, of Everton. But this was Burnley trying to win football matches. That was all my, always my crit- critique of Burnley and Sean Dyche, is that they were negative, that they were anti-football, that they didn't try and go and entertain, they didn't try and go and win matches. Just change that with the person. It, it's, it's, it's really cruel on, on Dyche. Um, to have led them for so long and to be dismissed in such a ruthless way. And I, it's not a great example for life, the ruthlessness being shown at, at top flight football. Um, but as Craig Moraes used to say, Burnley have got one, uh, they, Burnley need to stay in the top flight. Otherwise, they could go right down the leagues mm. um, be, because they're not spending money. It's such a difficult uh, league to get out of the championship, um, although Fulham proved that they can go up and down. But, <laughs> But um, <laughs> this is a, a remarkable victory for Burnley and uh, a, a great attitude. And for Everton, Everton could be in the relegation zones if Burnley beat Wolves or get a point against Wolves before Everton play Liverpool in the derby. And that's terrifying for Everton. Yeah. Goglan, uh, Everton won, Leicester won. Everton uh, are just one point above Burnley, but with the game in hand. And uh, Everton, which will be Sean Dyche's next club, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. It could, could even happen today, tomorrow. Who knows? Um, I mean, do you think... I, when Leicester scored the early goal, I thought there was going to be a destruction of Everton. But somehow they managed to... Somehow they managed to get back at the very last uh, in injury time. So this is the time where, you know, the Leicester players are playing for nothing and the, the Everton, same against what happened at Newcastle, right? You know, the research in Newcastle. You know. So... Everton, that, that point they saved that they got is actually very, very, very crucial for them. You know, if they had lost their game, their heads would have dropped again and they got like a big games coming up. So to salvage a point there is good. But I personally think Everton should go down because that's what Everton needs right now for them to go down and come back up again. You know, it's it's a rebirth of sorts for Everton. They've been they've spent so much money at that at that spot. They've 
and to, for them to, you know, a player, a manager like Frank Lampard that takes them down, will bring them back up. And that is what they need, a, a, a whole journey down and come up, a rebirth of sorts. It's too too much to say in this show, but that's why, personally, I think Everton needs to get relegated for the benefit of Everton in the long run. Cool. He's 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 tough as Justice Gogolin. <laughs> that's the kind of man who'd sack Sean Dyche. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no hesitation. That's how I run Galaxy in Dash Nose. <laughs> uh, Sean, you got you got one minute to tell us everything about Newcastle one Crystal Palace nil. Um, a match that didn't really mean anything in terms of the uh, the table, but Newcastle are becoming become pretty good, and and St James's Park is absolutely buzzing. Yeah, I saw I saw a table right of all the points received since. Um, Eddie Howe's come into Newcastle. They're only behind Liverpool by two points since he's come in, which is an insane stat if you look at it. Newcastle fans will be looking at this team and saying, this is just for now. Right? I think John Joe Shelby a few days ago said, this club is going to be huge in the next coming years, which I think they will. The, 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 the belief has changed around Newcastle, which you can see it now. They play better football. They, they look more composed. At times, they look more exciting. And Bruno Gmaraes, what a signing. Honestly, the guy is stellar, right? There's already links to him to Real Madrid, which I think is quite ridiculous this soon. But this Newcastle team is only going to get better over time and going to become even more competitive over time. So they absolutely deserve their win and to be where they are now. A few months ago, they were staring relegation. Now they're like comfortably mid-table and they could even finish, you know, in the upper half of the table. Yeah, so... Uh, a good season for Newcastle United. Haven't said that one for a long time. <laughs> um, okay, we take a break, and in a moment, we're going to be looking forward to matches in uh, the Premier League and also do some AFC here on On the Ball, BFM 89.9. What about that clearance off the line? How important did that turn out to be in the end? On the Ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back on On the Ball with myself, Cam Rusland, Des Corkill, Gogolin, Justice Gogolin, and Sean Mahotra. And now we look forward to matches that are coming up over the weekend. Uh, Saturday, 10pm, that's uh, Malaysia time. Man City versus Watford. Um, oh, I, I was going to say Des, but I'm going to save you for the next one. We have to. Uh, Gogolin, Man City versus Watford. Watford, uh, uh, they're done for, and... Um, Man's, I mean, this is a walkover. So these are the games that I worry about for your city, you know. <laughs> then on paper look like a walk, a walk in the park, and then they struggle and draw nil-nil or one-one or something like that, or even lose this match. So you know, the, the games that your city uh, you have to worry about, they might have an easy fixture, but that is what if you're a city fan, or even if a anti-Liverpool fan like Sean, <laughs> <laughs> to worry about, right? Actually, Sean, would you rather City win the league or Liverpool? City, obviously. <laughs> obviously. I mean, it's painful, right? For example, I mean, I don't want to segue too much, but like two, three weeks ago, I got to sit down and probably watch one of the best games I've watched in years when City played Liverpool in the league. And it's painful for me to see two of the, my rival clubs play as well as they have. And you got to just give respect in that sense. As much as you may dislike those teams for personal reasons, you got to sit back as a football fan and say that's, that's two of the best teams in the league. Yeah, well, fortunately, you are a dispassionate and balanced uh, pundit here, and so you don't, you don't, you're not infected by those things. So yes, back to the City Watford game. I would worry about games like this, where you know, psychologically, they might look, it looks easy on paper. I'm sure Pep has drilled this into the team and all that with the mending mentality and all that. But again, as a neutral, I would worry. I would. These are the games that I would, if I was a betting man, put some money on Watford. No, come on. 
<laughs> All right. Okay. So that's that's Man City five, Watford nil from uh, Gogolin. <laughs> and uh, Des, we move forward then to the next match, which will be Sunday, eleven thirty p.m. And it is the big one. It is Liverpool versus Everton. And it is the big one for for those of us from Liverpool. Uh, this is the big one, um, and particularly now here because there's so much at stake. Everton can derail Liverpool's um, championship challenge. Liverpool can almost put Everton in real danger down into into the, um, the the championship. So there's so much riding on this one. Form suggests that Liverpool will win this at a canter. But the evidence scrapping and the, the, the snarling and the biting and, uh, sorry, in, in a good way, the old Joe Royal dogs of war way, they, they will be fighting for everything. And Richarlison, you may not like him, but he, he keeps on getting important goals and they will defend for everything they've got. And they, the Everton fans will be so up for this one. So Liverpool are just off that the high of the, the Manchester City semi-final, the high of the Manchester United uh, walkover, where the atmosphere was wonderful. Haven't mentioned the Ronaldo moment there, which was, which was inc- incredible, that Ronaldo moment. And then they've got the, that, the, the intensity of this derby with more games to come. So this, this is a potential banana skin, but if they respond the way they did against United, uh, Liverpool to take this, but that just plunges Everton and all the money into um, a, a real relegation dogfight. And I'm not sure I agree with Gogs that they need to go down. I fear for Everton that they wouldn't come straight back up. Uh, and if they spend a couple of years down in, the, in that division, uh, second division, that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's mortal. That's dreadful. Because they could do a, a Sunderland. That, that's what I mean. Sunderland, big club, absolutely. Um, Hey, Des, I'm going to ask you personally then, you, you're, you're, a, you're a Liverpool fan, you're a Liverpoolian, your your family are Everton fans. Would you like to see Everton go down? Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I want, I want them to stay. I like them not to win. If Liverpool come first, I'd love Everton to come second. But I, I really don't want to see them go down. It, that's a generational thing. It's changed over the years, but certainly from uh, from people of my generation, uh, that old uh, Liverpool United of the of the Cup Finals of the eighties and the League Cup of eighty four. Uh, I was part of that red and blue. Uh, I used to go to Goodison uh, alternate weeks with uh, Anfield, and used to go to Prenton Park for Tramier as well. So from my generation, no, you don't want to see Everton struggle. And uh, Sean, I'll, I'll let you be the judge on this one, but I mean, you're, you're biased Liverpool versus Everton. <laughs> you can't see clearly on this one. But uh, I, I think Everton, I was watching Everton, Frank Lampard, who I don't think is very good, it looks like he's designed a team that needs a Frank Lampard. <laughs> I, I mean, I was one of his biggest defenders when he got the job. I thought he would be able to do a, a decent enough job to get them up the table, at least not even in that position where they are now. And I was proven very wrong. And I think a lot of the, the pundits in the UK, people like Jamie Carragher, Gary Neville, have like sounded out their defence multiple times, which is true. It's not even a championship-worthy defence. They seem in shambles in every game. And when you go up against a team like Liverpool, where you can get hurt from every which way, Right? If, if Salah doesn't turn up or Mane doesn't turn up or Diaz doesn't turn up, you still got like eight other players behind you that can turn up, right? That can score goals. And Everton, I, I look at that Everton team and I don't see anyone in that team who's capable of standing up and saying, hey, you know what, we can take this game to Liverpool. Because you may try to hurt them, but they can hurt you in 10 different ways. So I, I, I don't think that the chances of Everton even having a 
a chance for a draw against Liverpool is a thing. And if they lose this game against Liverpool, I think you know the balls in Burnley's court at that point. You know they they survived relegation before and they could do it again. Yeah. Well, speaking of Burnley, um, Goglin, uh, we've got uh, a very important match for them. I mean, every every match is now important for these guys. Uh, Burnley versus Wolves. Do you see? I mean, I, I think we, it's a given that Everton will lose that one. Do you see Burnley being able to win against a Wolves team that don't necessarily have much to play for, but when they do play, they are very good? I agree. Back to my point, the Wolves players are at the beach, same like the Leicester players, nothing to play for. So Burnley, if they, with a the, with the, caretaker manager, right? Or is, it, uh, is he a caretaker yeah, manager caretaker, or is he a caretaker, caretaker, right? So the belief will be there. Now they, they know that if the ball is caught, they will be playing with their hearts out and they'll be playing for the batch. And you could see the Burnley players against, especially the last game. So I, w- I would put, I would take Burnley over Wolves in this game. I would fancy Burnley for this one. Which would then be uh, pretty bad for Everton. Uh, okay, well, then let's go f- uh, forwards again. And um, Des, a, a big match. I, I mean, there's Norwich, Newcastle. I'm, I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to skip over that one because I don't think Norwich stand a chance and Newcastle are safe. Arsenal versus Man United. Um, once upon a time, the biggest, this would have been one of the biggest matches on the calendar. Uh, but United in shambles and Arsenal putting in pretty good performances. So this is United, uh, sorry, an Arsenal win. Uh, we, we see if Manchester United and their star players um, can respond to what happened at Anfield um, uh, because United are still theoretically in a chase for a top four. It's not in their hands, but this is a must-win game for them. Arsenal, I, I like what Arsenal are doing and Arteta. And I, I, I like the way that the manager is allowed to be in control. Um, he's got rid of Aubameyang and he's brought in Eddie Nketiah to score those two goals against Chelsea. And he's, he's got young players up front. So this, this is... Uh, I like what Arsenal are doing, but typical Man United, their group of players are talented. And if they turn up, uh, I famously said they might go all the way to the Champions League final. If you, <laughs> yes, now that yes. went down well, didn't yeah. it? But, yeah, yeah. but they are capable of producing um, a, an upset uh, against Arsenal because Maguire isn't as bad as everybody is painting at the moment. Lindelof isn't as bad. David Ahir is still the top goalkeeper. They were missing Fred and McTominay. McTominay will be back for this. So, again, I'm sounding like a Man United fan. They could really upset Arsenal here, which changes, once again, the whole dynamic of that chase for the the top four. Okay, so that's Arsenal 2, Man United (laughs) 0. I I can translate you people. Um, But Sean, we'll give give you a chance here. What can, how can Manchester United arrange themselves, organize themselves um, to, you know, Arsenal are not magnificent, they're not not infallible, but they're very fast. And what can they do? You got to keep in mind, Arsenal's won one game out of five. Just just, just keep that in mind. And United Uh, are not doing any better, right? But the thing is, in this game, Arsenal have more players First team players at least back for this game against United. United are missing uh, Pogba. United are missing Fred. They probably have to start a midfield of Matic and a half-fit McTominay. Or the kids might come in. So the, the, the favourites will probably be Arsenal in this game, playing at home. But anything can happen. I said it earlier in the show that the, the three teams that are vying for this spot, they can turn it on and turn it off whenever they want. And if United play in the way that I think they'll play, which is a very counter-attacking style against Arsenal, they could hurt Arsenal. 
right? The game at Old Trafford, I didn't think United would beat Arsenal, but they did. And the same thing is happening tomorrow. I don't think United will beat Arsenal. I, I think Arsenal will beat United quite comfortably and United's dreams of the fourth position is gone. But on the day, anything can happen. You know, United just need to turn it on and Ronaldo's back. I know there's so much talk about him being the problem and all, and all but if he scores hat-tricks, he can be the problem for all I care. <laughs> really. Because if he does it against Arsenal, you know what? Be the problem. Sure. Be a problem again. No problem for me. <laughs> yeah. I love the enthusiasm of youth. He's <laughs> uh, still got hope. And, uh, and Gogolin's going to destroy that hope now. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what's your ju- judgment on this? Nah, I think... Uh... I got to understand where United fans are coming from, but come back from that defeat to the chastening defeat by Liverpool. It was just not a defeat of on the on the pitch. It was a defeat mentally also. And the fans around the world they saw what happened on that pitch that day. So you know it's 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 a lot to come back from. If they can really pick themselves up and play for the badge, they are not playing for the badge. That's my point. They're these like that's it. Great players. Man to man, they're great players. You know, it's they're not playing for the badge. So it, if they start picking themselves up and playing, or they're just running through the motions. They're getting their uh, salaries and their checks, and they're running through the motions. There's no desire. There's no Roy Keane type player in there to you know bollock them. There's nothing. So they really need to. Something needs to be happening in the dressing room on the training ground from now to what before the Arsenal game for me to say otherwise. But otherwise, Arsenal should walk this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Des Chelsea versus West Ham. And I'm looking forward to this. Uh, could be good. Certainly could. Chelsea have shown a, a bit of vulnerability recently. We, we used to think their defence was strong, but um, when Rudiger wasn't there, they were very porous. Uh, Sars not Sars not a Rudiger, um, and so without Rudiger, they're, they're they're not as good as. He, I don't know if he's back. If he's back, Chelsea to to hold off West Ham. If he's not back, West Ham's uh, raiding um, front four. To, to actually be able to pick something. Because West Ham, even though they're doing well in the Europa League, um, they've, they, they've still got an outside chance of certainly a top six place, maybe even a top four place, five points behind with the game more, it's unlikely. But they're playing for European place as well, just in case um, the, uh, the Europa League um, campaign peters out. I've liked West Ham. This is the kind of game that they are capable of going and winning a big game. But it all depends on Ruger. Rudiger back, Chelsea keep a clean sheet and win. Rudiger out, West Ham to sneak at least a point, maybe a win. Hmm. Good times at London Stadium. Who who thought that that who would thought? ever? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Uh, Sean Brentford versus Tottenham. Uh, you know, once upon a time I would have thought, oh, Tottenham walkover. But but really, Brentford have been very strong, and they're precisely the kind of club that team that could, I think, just beat. Tottenham. Yeah, they're finishing the season strong because I think they were having a really bad patch like a month or two ago where they were losing games and then suddenly they picked it up again and they're capable of hurting teams. I mean, they they scored four against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? So if they turn it on and Ivan Tony turns up and plays the way he plays, they can hurt Spurs because Spurs, I like watching Spurs because I have a cousin who supports Spurs and there are days where they play really well, where Kulisevsky looks like one of the best signings Spurs has had in years. But then there are days where they just look so abject and so boring, which really makes me question, like, why is there this inconsistency? And you would say the consistent team now based off form would be Brentford. So anything could happen in this game. I feel a draw 
is the most likely thing to happen here. And then the ball swings totally in Arsenal's court right here. They, they will be the driving force for that fourth spot. I really think Brentford have a good chance against Spurs. It's like a roulette wheel, this, this battle for the top four, isn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hey, who would have thought that the, the, the fascinating part of the end game of this season is fourth spot? Um, so uh, we're going to take a break and I'm going to bring Goglen in to talk. Finally, he will be no longer neutral uh, when we talk about his team, Aston Villa, here on On The Ball, BFM 89.9. It is a fine goal. Fine had a fine goal. On The Ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. And it is uh, part four on On The Ball. And now, uh, Goglen, you've got to take off your your judge's wig and... Uh, be, uh, well, I'll still try to be impartial. Try not to say we too often. <laughs> Leicester versus Aston Villa. Leicester have got uh, a European campaign, uh, but otherwise no real chance at getting a European spot. Aston Villa, uh, not really much to play for either. Is there anything at stake here? And can we, can we see Villa do something dramatically, amazingly new? Well, I hope they do because uh, Villa... Have behaved against that first half against Spurs where they got tonked 4-0. It was it was a, it was a, I mean it was the scoreline was 4-0, but it was not a 4-0 kind of game because you know Hugo Lloris kept them in that first half. And I was really impressed with the way Watkins and uh, Ings and all were playing in that first half. So you know, I'm happy with that part of the game. And I've said this before on the show, there's a project, Stephen G as a Stephen G as a project, and you know, I'm not for one for sacking managers at the every uh, run of five games without a win or something like that. Yes, the circumstances sometimes warrant it because we we live in a Premier League world where everything is demanded in an instant and money is the big ultimate uh, boss. But again, back to um, I agree with Des that we shouldn't be second managers. So let's see, he has a project and this is the project that I want to see happen. They they have a great bunch of players at Villa. Like, don't get me wrong. And I, I'm really happy that they have this bunch of players. Once they start clicking, I'm sure this thing, I, I don't know what they're faffing about for Coutinho, you know, for 33 million I think Barcelona asking for 33 million. They're asking them to go halves on it. So I really don't know what's going to happen because I know a lot of other teams are looking at Coutinho. So RS might come in as a cut price deal as a finisher. So these are things that the project, you have a young squad, you have a you know experienced finisher. This it might work, might not, but Leicester, uh, they'll be concentrating on Europe right now. They really get a good chance. So I would fancy Villa on this one. Did I you say Suarez? Suarez, wow. Yep. Yeah, wow. Suarez is in the mix. Wow. How old is he now? Still good enough. Yeah, still good enough for the. He, 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 uh, Stevie G has been uh, putting off feelers on him, and there's a big talk of him coming over. Oh wow! Yeah, he's getting he's getting the gang back together, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been very impressed by Stephen Gerrard as a manager, uh, both in Scotland and here. He um, he commands himself very well, but I think he's also constructing teams that play very interesting football, unlike say. Frank Lampard is just a haphazard kind of just go on the pitch and run around and do something. Um, I mean, uh, Des, do you think that I'm I'm fair in my assessment there? Uh, so Villa, their results are less than we thought they were. When we saw their squad put together, um, I, I remember many of us were saying, hey, top six for Aston Villa because it, they, it is a good group of players. And Stephen Gerrard has come in to an already good group of players and he's added to them. Uh, with with the Coutinho signing, and he's changed slightly the way they play. But I, I agree. I, I think they're a, they're a good team whose results aren't as good as the players would be. So you need to get the results. There needs to be a combination. You can have a project, but the project is eventually 
not if not in the first year certainly there's got to be a move towards getting the results to get you into the top six and uh, and I think at Gogs is dead right next year if Villa don't um, approach a top six place if Villa don't challenge the likes of Bulls etc uh, then then you begin to ask questions but for now yeah it's going it's going quite nicely uh, Sean Crystal Palace versus Leeds uh, I think Leeds are now safe pretty much Crystal Palace uh, disappointing. Uh, defeat in the FA Cup semi-final. That's there. Um, the uh, it's been a good season then for Palace. I, I think it certainly has, hasn't it? Yeah, I used to hate watching them under Roy Hodgson. Some of the most boring football I've ever seen. Patrick Vieira has made Crystal Palace. I, I'm not going to lie here. My second favorite team in the league because they're so fun to watch. Right? They've brought young players in, players who play with a lot of flair. Conor Gallagher to me is in the the likes of like. PFA Young Player of the Year kind of like standing at the moment for me. He's, that, that Palace team is so nice to watch. I have nothing but good things to say about that Palace team. It's an inexperienced squad, but it's one that's going to get better over time. And the fans have taken to Patrick Vieira and the fans have taken to these new players. It's an exciting time to be a Palace fan. And of course, you know, I want to see Leeds lose. <laughs> that would bring me joy. <laughs> and then I can talk to Arvin about it, you know? Yeah. Watching football is a complicated thing for, for, for you football fans, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I support Tummage Wells Football Club, and so that, that these things never these things never become a, <laughs> an issue. Uh, Goglin, then, we're going to finish with the with the Premier League with two teams, Brighton versus Southampton. Now, uh, Brighton have, have had flashes. Southampton have had flashes during this season. But, uh, you know, they end up where they end up. And I, and I have to ask the question, what is the point of Southampton and indeed Brighton? Yeah. Well, what's the point of every team below sixth or seventh place? Is it other than just to stay uh, afloat and get a premiership uh, TV money, right? This is, it's, it's a perpetual uh, cycle. Unless you're uh, top four or the, some of the European places, which, you know, even that, the European places are like Europa and all that, I think is comes back to bite you in the butt. But otherwise, what are teams like Newcastle, Villa, and all that going to be there? You have to, it's either top four or nothing. That's it. The champions, top four or nothing. And these teams are in there just to stay in the premiership and don't get relegated. That is the KPI season in, season out. Yeah, but at least with Villa, you had the excitement of going into relegation. I mean, that, that was a bit, but, but if, you, if you're... If excitement? You're, <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, it changed the calendar a bit. Yeah, so that's why that's why as a Villa fan, Villa's been relegated and come back up. And that's why I was talking about Everton. So, I mean, could any, would any of you be happy to be um, a Southampton fan where it's, it's pretty safe? Uh, you, have a, you have a few wins now and again? Exactly what Villa are right now. Yeah, that I mean, there is. There, I get a sense that there is a journey with Villa. The yeah, well, ever, ever, Southampton uh, used to be Liverpool's uh, team B, but now they have, you know, yeah, you know, the, the Hazardell is playing some good football there. So you know, with James Watt Prowse and everything, they have good players there. They're playing good football. They're not the dearly Southampton football they last time. I, I mean, Des, remember the conversation we used to have about Southampton a few uh, shows a few years back, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm sorry, Southampton. <laughs> it's the way the money skews football. Um, it, Southampton, once upon a time, might have had a chance of winning a trophy. They made League Cup finals. They got to the latter stages. Uh, the, that great Keegan Ball, Shannon, Shilton team uh, was uh, top two at one stage. That can't happen anymore. And I, I, I regret that very much because we are now just talking the super elite and billionaires play things, which I, I regret immensely. Uh, the man who forgets that Leicester won back in 2016. With a billionaire in charge. 
<laughs> yeah, that's given, though. I mean, that's a given. That's something, and there, therein lies a problem. You can't construct the team. You couldn't do a Cluffy. You couldn't do a Nottingham Forest come up from Division Two, take the title. Southampton, uh, without a billionaire, cannot compete. And, and, and football's football's the worst for that. You look at what happens in Germany. Bayern Munich about to win their tenth in a row. PSG in France just won tenth in twelve years. Money, money just skews everything. Leicester was an aberration because, you know, the moment you win the Premier League and all your players get picked apart by the top four. Yeah. 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 Well, Sean, I'm going to ask you very, very quickly to, to come in on this one. As a, as a fan who used to support the mega club, people often say, oh, but it's always being dominated by one team, two team. But actually, this landscape has changed enormously. We're now talking about Manchester City and Liverpool, whereas it, before people were complaining it was Manchester United and Arsenal. But I mean, Things change. So you're happy, aren't you? <laughs> the constant for me growing up was always United and Arsenal. Right? It was the constant every season. You're young. you're young. Yeah, I'm young. I'm young, right? So the constant for me was United and Arsenal. It was fun times. I've always said this. When I was a kid, I had a choice. Support United or support Arsenal. And I supported United, right? It's nice to see in a neutral sense where it's Liverpool and City now. And maybe Chelsea at some point. But come down the few years' time, you have Newcastle part of that conversation too. Once more money is pumped into the team and getting more players, the change of guard will eventually happen. That's how football evolves, right? The good thing about the Premier League is anyone can beat anyone on any day, right? I don't, which I don't think is something you can say about the German League or the, the, the French League or the Italian League. Which Premier League, anyone can beat anyone. But the two main powerhouses right now are City and Liverpool. And it's you can look at it in the sense of how much is being spent, but you also got to look at the two coaches and the players that they have and the way that they're playing. So I think there's a lot more to go to it than just the amount of money that's pumped into it. So it's, it's a good change of guard. Okay, well, talk about, talking about uh, domination, Des, uh, AFC, JDT, uh, dominant team in, in Malaysia, but they're doing, they're doing pretty well in uh, Asian football. They are doing Malaysia and Southeast Asian football proud. Absolutely wonderful. I'm very lucky to be here uh, in Johor working on all of their games over the, the next two weeks. Listen, they've beaten Ulsan Hyundai by two goals to one. Ulsan Hyundai twice uh, AFC champions, most recently in 2020, uh, one of the giants of, of Asian football. Last night, they drew nil-nil with Kawasaki Frontale, J-League champions in four of the last five years. And neither of those results uh, flattered JDT. They're, they're the equal. They are on a level footing. They also beat Guangzhou, but Guangzhou are not the Guangzhou who won the AFC Champions League with all the mega millions. Guangzhou have sent a, a junior team to the AFC Champions League this year. Darryl, uh, Johor swatted them aside 5-0. There is a chance that JDT can win a group that includes Ulsan Hyundai and Kawasaki Frontale. It is, um, they have really grown up. Uh, last night, there were fifteen to 20,000 in the wonderful new stadium that they've got in Johor, the Sultan Ibrahim Stadium. Uh, the atmosphere was, was electric, and um, they are truly leading the way. Yes, they're eight-time champions in Malaysia, so they've got this next stage to, to, uh, to aim for, and they're hitting it at the moment. I still feel that fatigue will kick in because uh, they, they rely on a core of 16 players, whereas both Kawasaki and Ulsan literally changed all of their players their matches against Guangzhou. But top of the pile, after three games with two wins and a draw, Kawasaki and Ulsan trailing Johor, they are doing Malaysia and Southeast Asian football proud. It's, it's, it's really impressive. They've got Kawasaki on Sunday at the Sultan Ibrahim Stadium. Uh, it's live on Astro Arena. You can have the English commentary option if you choose with me. Oh, and who would that be? 
<laughs> I'm delighted <laughs> to say it's me because it's been a and it really, not. <laughs> really, really has been a thrill uh, to to be uh, to be watching and observing this Johor ride. Okay, uh, Des, can you put that into a bit of context? If they were to top this league, um, they would go into the round of 16, the knockout phases of the AFC Champions League. So there's 10 groups in all. Your five group winners from the west, five group winners from the east, automatically go through, and then the next best. Uh, runners-up, three West, three in the East, they go through into the round of 16 as well. Johor have never reached the knockout stages. They have won matches. They've beaten big teams in the past. Um, uh, so they have won matches individually, but they've never been able to put in a consistent run like this. Uh, they're almost guaranteed to get three points against Guangzhou. And then if they can get a result against either Ulsan or Kawasaki, then, gosh, they are in with a chance of winning this group or perhaps getting one of the best second uh, second places. And to get into the round of 16 is, is, is just a phenomenal achievement. It's a very, very high standard. Just an example, um, there's a player, um, uh, uh, Leandro, Leandro Damiao. He's a Brazilian international, 17 caps to his name, from Internacional. He's in the opposing side. And our Malaysian-born players and the, and the, um, uh, the, the, the four imports you're allowed, they are competing toe-to-toe and actually genuinely at the same level as these guys. It, it's been thrilling. Hmm. Okay. Uh, what, do you, what do you reckon the chances are? I, I still think fatigue will kick in. Um, so I, I'm not sure that they'll, they'll, they'll beat Guangzhou. Um, they might get points. Uh, they might get a point in one of the games, but I do feel the opposition is just a, a tweak higher uh, than they are. But even so, to, to get where they are now, seven points in a group, 10 likely is, is, is a wonderful achievement. Okay. So, uh, Goglin, I saw, I saw you nodding your head there. Uh, you're in agreement that uh, this is some achievement. It is definitely. You know, it's an achievement for Malaysia that uh, the, the, the project that JDT has had is essentially a blueprint that, you know, that can be used by other clubs in Malaysia or even in the region. For them to, like just said, eight times winners of the Malaysia, the league and everything, they need to take the step up. And the step up is obviously the AFC. And for them to the result against Ulsan Hyundai, you know, even surprised me. So yes, I'm 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 I totally agreement with what Des says, and I might just take a drive down on Sunday. Well worth it. Sean, you you follow local game, don't you? Not really. I just watch international games because I like international games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Going to the stadium is a whole different feeling. Yeah. No lie. Shame, shamefully, I, I, me too. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, we'll send the Englishman down, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> so and. Speaking of which, then, that brings us to the end of this week's show. And uh, I'd like to thank our pundits, Sean Mahotra. It's nice being back. Can't wait to do more. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, Des Corkill. Yeah, um, great week to celebrate that Man United result. Sorry, Sean, I've got to mention it. But we, <laughs> then, then there's Everton to come. Uh, being a Liverpool supporter is great at the moment. But good luck, Johor. That's where my focus is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Gogolin. Yep, thanks for having me back on. And uh, Tiago, overrated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like giving the, the judges gavel to uh, Gogolin. We should do it more. He's brutal, isn't he? And uh, myself, Cam Rastan, and please join us on the Monday show. But for now, it is On The Ball, BFM 89.9. He cannot win the title without an outstanding goalkeeper. And he's been absolutely brilliant. On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.